Okay, cool. Yeah, recording in progress. You ready? That's so cool that they have that. That it tells you now? Yeah, letting people know. Hey, you're being recorded, so don't say anything silly. (laughs) Would that have stopped you? I mean, not on your show, because I respect (laughs) you so much. Oh, that's very nice. Okay, well, let's get started. Hello, beautiful basketball people. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, and this is We Have a Take. I do not have my friend Cassidy with me tonight. She is doing some exciting stuff, which I hope she can uh, talk about next week. But joining me today, Dylan Sage. How are you doing? Pretty good. I uh, just drove back from uh, Southern Oregon to celebrate my mother's uh, birthday. She said to all the people that she's turning 21, which makes me negative 10 in her eyes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it's it's an honor to talk with you. Um, that game get lots of mom time. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. My my Asian mom and my white mom. It's great. <laughs> I heard you talking about it on Holy Backboard, so um, please pass along to your mom a happy birthday. I'm so excited for her that she was probably so happy to see you. And how was the drive back today? You know, we're like in that just before it starts to get hairy. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the reason I left today was because the Sexton Pass was cloudy. So I was like, oh, this is the day. This is the day because I don't want to drive in snow or rain. So it, it was a very easy drive. I listened to an audio book and just zoned out for, I guess, four hours. <laughs> you said the Sexton Pass was cloudy, and I was like, wait, is that a reference to tonight's game? No, no, no. Finished? Uh, no. I was like, no, that was an actual reference to the pass. <laughs> yes, I, I really do live in Oregon, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to talk about tonight's game, which just ended uh, the Blazers in the Cavaliers. At this point... I'm not really interested in talking about individual games. What I really am excited to have you on to talk about is, you know, obviously the Blazers have a new coach and that was most likely going to lead to different styles of play. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of talk about different styles of play for the last, you know, many years. It's been super easy to describe the trailblazers, low, uh, low assists, low passing, low turnovers, no dunks, don't play the young guys. Like it was real easy to Mm -hmm. describe what the Blazers were like. So I really wanted to talk to you about what you're seeing about what the Blazers look like now and what may or may not have changed in your thoughts. So I don't know where you want to start, but if you've got got an idea, just go for it. Um, Well, first off, this game against the Cavaliers, and I know you don't want to talk about games. (laughs) That's okay. Irritated me a lot. I I don't think I've ever been so frustrated watching a Blazers defense than tonight. And I I mean, we've covered the team for since CJ and Dame, you know, started this wonderful collaboration. But to see centers dribble four, five, six times without any help was so frustrating. The one Nurk post up that I saw, he dribbled into two different helps and threw up a bad shot. We didn't give Robert Covington or Yusuf Nurkic enough support defensively at all. Like when you give a pro player like Evan Mobley six dribbles, are you expecting any other result than an open dunk? Like that's such a bad, that's such a bad look. So I guess we're going to start with the defense. Um, But yeah, post defense atrocious. It was, it legitimately made me not want to watch the game. 
Well, so the Blazers have been like basically at the bottom for the last couple of years, you know, famously mm. 29th last year, you know, barely. And uh, there, you know, one would think there wouldn't be a lot of room to go down. And yet um, there's been some highs and lows in the defense. Mm. So like, mm-hmm. what have you seen in terms of just like, how would you describe what's different about what they're actually doing? Okay, so on pick and roll, Yusuf is hedging high, which means he's mm-hmm. cutting out the ball handler so that the point guard and Yusuf could trap. But the rolling big, the person that's tagging him is a 6'3 guard, which is leading to a lot of dunks on the other side. And then we don't like to rotate to corner shooters, so we can give up dunks or corner threes two of the most efficient shots in the nba so it's kind of a high high um, high risk high reward type of defense when we mess up it's a three but when we play it right we contest that three and hopefully we can get a rebound but since yusuf's chilling in the uh, on the point guard he's not anywhere near it so it's more of a high risk thing you see us get a lot of steals and that's great but I've seen Norman and CJ getting dunked on way too much for my uh, comfortability because it's it's rough out there when you're six three going against Jared Allen who jumps out of the gym on us. It it seems like so many games this year the Blazers have been all camped out on the perimeter on defense and then just one person just has to like squirt through and they mm-hmm. have half of a court um, where there's nobody around to touch them. But like, what is it supposed to look like? Because there have been times where the Blazers looked, I would call it like smothering. They they did not let the other team get what they wanted. What's the Mm -hmm. difference? I think effort is a big difference. Like I think the first effort defensively is always pretty good. Like, Yusuf does the right thing we all do the right thing but then if they pass it to the corner we're a late rotation or if they you know pass it to the driving big you know it's a 6-3 guy going against a guy going full speed at the rim it's not gonna end up in our favor a lot it, it's it's different but I, I I really wish we as a fan base didn't think drop coverage is Voldemort because Sometimes it's really useful to have a big covering everything. Like, I don't know when we play the Phoenix Suns, but we probably should play drop coverage to stop that lob from Chris Paul. Um, But really, we're going with that uh, high hedging defense. Is this high hedge that the Blazers are doing, is this something that I'm I'm guessing that other there's other teams who are doing it? I have a really hard time, like, recognizing this is this style of defense so like who is there anybody else who does it really effectively that we can watch to see what it's supposed to look like (laughs) three quarters of the pelican suns game when they were causing all those turnovers kind of made new orleans look like they were good okay new orleans but no it's it's a it's a high risk reward uh defense and you kind of have to have the personnel to do it and we we certainly do not have the personnel to you know it's not the roster, Sage. Uh, I mean. <laughs> okay. Let, let the white man think that he's do, did a good job. Uh, let's see. What was I going to say? Cassidy and I. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. I was laughing too hard about that. Um, okay. So 
Oh, yeah, I know what I was going to say. Cassidy and I really, really enjoyed the WNBA playoffs. Uh And one of the things that I found so compelling about watching it is those players keep their arms up the whole time. Mm -hmm. They are busy. And I know, you know, a lot of that is effort. But why why don't we see that so much um, from the teams? And I don't even really see it so much from NBA players. Like, are they just tired from all the dunking that they're doing or not doing or it's just just like are they too cool to keep their arms up the whole time my favorite rookie in this draft class so far herbert jones keeps his hands up all the time and i think you might really like him once he uh is back from concussion protocol after getting hit in the face but he's just he's my new beloved but there are some players that put their hands up but i guess it's not cool you know who plays some really good drop coverage, though, is uh, Sylvia Fowles on the links. She does it perfectly. She's my favorite. Okay. So when it comes to differences in defense, the, base, the Blazers have basically changed up their whole mm-hmm. philosophy. And then there's also all this stuff that the coach has been talking about, like mindset and accountability. And boy, I saw some. Ugh. I've seen more uh, looks between players this season Did than I've seen. Did you see CJ talk today? Like, I, I was thinking about you when I was watching mm-hmm. the game. I was like, damn, CJ is really, really communicative. Cause I, I like there was a play where he and Larry Nance had a switch and there was a chance for them to switch back. And I saw CJ do the hand motion of switching back. And then I saw him on the same play, like say, that's your responsibility. You should, I, I think CJ has been mm-hmm. playing a lot better defensively and offensively. He's been more versatile, but today made me really proud of CJ for his uh, at least communication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you, like me, finding that the second unit seems to be more connected uh, defensively more consistently? It all depends on who. So who who's the second u- unit in your mind? So I would say Larry and Cody, mm-hmm. uh, Little, Anthony, and then either Dame or CJ. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that having those two bigs uh, really helps it out. And then Nasir being that that x factor in everything makes that unit look a lot better he's bringing so much energy i i one thing about this season that i'm so enjoying is watching anthony and nas um really like all their hard work that they put in really showing off and like mm-hmm. getting them for like extended minutes um and i don't know i mean what do you think about the theory that you know, some of these guys have played this for so long that they're basically in a rut and having a harder time to change. Because when you see these new guys who've just come in or the younger players who haven't played that much, they seem to be getting the defensive uh, ideas better. I mean, maybe, but when you have Nasir just running running around making all these plays, it's it makes your job as a 6'3 guard a lot easier than a... Uh, you know, when it's Norman Powell, who's also 6'3", trying to do the things that Nas is doing. It, I, I know that Neil says it's not the roster, but it's probably, it's the roster. Okay, I have to ask you what you thought about the four-guard lineup. Because I've been making jokes about that all summer, but it was a joke because I never thought they would actually do it. <laughs> okay, this is where I'm biased, and I know I am. Because you love Norm. 
no, well, I do. He's somewhere <laughs> on my wall of of stuff. But I had Andre Drummond in daily fantasy, and that four guard lineup meant Andre Drummond was not in. So I absolutely hated it. I was oh. so happy. I was so happy Yusuf got in and, and forced Doc Rivers to make the switch. And it didn't. He Dre Drummond didn't do anything, but I was happy he was on the floor because watching uh watching shoot who was the who was the power forward on the Sixers that did so well um uh, Niang, George, Niang. Georgie, yeah. George Niang really ruined it for me because I had a re- I had some really good lineups but George Niang ruined it with how good he played so you know because of the Conchar, bias. is it not Conchar he's on the Grizzlies um who's the guy whose name's lots of names starts with a K who always Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who hit the went game winning one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. last season? He was. That's the other. That's the other hallmark. Dustin's, of, of late... uh, Dustin's uh, twin. Oh, is that right? <laughs> um, that's the other hallmark of the Blazers from the years past. Is that a role player always has their a career night? Well, Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has seems to have not changed. <laughs> no. Well, I think that's the scheme because of how we funnel in the middle to defend it leaves corner shooters and wing shooters open. So, you know, Dustin, who's been watching or listening on the radio is like, why are we leaving open three point shooters? Like whose fault is that? I was like, I can't really blame a singular person. It's we're trying to stop the, 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 the center or leaving people open. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's the bad shooter in the lineup and not Paul George, but sometimes Paul George gets on a, like a, 12-0 run because we're leaving the corner sh- shooter open i just and i hate to like watch and say i think i know like what they're feeling but bum it, it feels to <laughs> me they just seem so disjointed and like they're spending so much energy on trying to figure out what they're doing that they're mm-hmm. not really able to do it because the flip side of that is when I watch other teams on defense, you know, some of the other teams just make it look effortless. <laughs> yeah. Playing and on maybe it's because they've done it for a lot longer and they're more, con- I mean, to, okay. I sound really negative and I'm actually not really that worried. Like I'm pretty sure they're going to figure it out. Like I really, really do believe that this is going to be, this is just like a really steep learning curve and it's going to probably mm-hmm. hurt for a while, but there's enough talent on this team that they're gonna figure it out mm-hmm. whether or not they're gonna have to do more lineup shifting lineup shaking you know tony snell is finally Ugh. on what do, you, <laughs> what do you think of that Ugh. that was quite a side not a tony tony snell fan now he I, before you go too far i just have to tell you that he is like in the running for mom's favorite this year Ugh. I don't know anything about him. He just seems like the typical kind of guy who would be. What? Okay. When I when I think of mom's favorite, I think of Aminu and Ed Davis, people that what? are actively doing stuff. Well, <laughs> you don't think that Tony Snell, like he Okay, there's the you know, there's the famous game. But that was one game <laughs> where it was zero 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 zero. Also no turnovers, by the way. Well, he doesn't touch um, the ball so enough long. to turn over. He doesn't touch the ball enough to turn it over. He he's just he's just so long, <laughs> you know. Like he's tall. He's taller than six three, basically. Yeah. Is what I, was what I'm thinking. Um, you know, 
with how I value players with, you know, like a DFS mindset first, before I really talk about, you know, like, you know, why I like somebody, he's one of the worst people to have in a daily fantasy. Right. He does not produce stats. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I can I, understand I, that yeah, aspect so, of you not yeah, liking so, him because you yeah, be like, I, what? I, he does not produce stats. Doesn't mean he's not trying hard, but for a lot of the game, he's running up and down the court. And I, I it, he does that really well, but he does not produce much on the court. And that's why I don't like him. But that's probably my bias towards what I find valuable in a basketball player. Mm -hmm. Well, this makes me want to turn to offense. So do okay. we have anything else to say about defense, about how it's changed? It's bad. It's different. It's bad. But the moments that it's looked good, it did look really good. But I feel like we had moments like that in past years as well. Well, we're like, oh, that's pretty good. Well, isn't that the, the thing about a high draft pick that doesn't really do much, but has those flashes of brilliance? That's kind of what we're getting with the Blazers defense. Those, there's that flash. And if we can make it consistent, he'll be so good. Yeah. He doesn't make it consistent and he isn't in the league anymore. Yeah, that sounds real familiar. As you as we look at all of the veteran minimum uh, lottery picks the Blazers have picked up over the last several years. I, you know, I, I I don't wanna say because of my biases, don't love Tony Snell. Love Tony Snell. I, I it's it's not my job to tell you who and who not to love in any circumstances. Love whoever you want. I just don't value Tony Snell that much. You know, I was just hoping that he would be the kind of guy like Ed Davis who just comes off off the board, plays some minutes where he doesn't need the ball because if we're if we've got four guards, yeah, we don't lineup, need anybody with a high usage rate. Like we need people who don't need the ball who can do something when they don't have the ball, like hit a three. And like I think Larry Nance is miscast as a three. <laughs> I mean, I know that Larry can hit threes, but that's not his real strength. And so, like, mom, how, how do you feel about Larry Nance? I um. I was, I will admit there was a, there were, there've been days where I was like, did I talk myself into Larry Nance or is it Larry Nance is not being used and utilized in a way that best uh, utilizes his skills. And mm -hmm. I'm on that side of the coin right now um, because I think he does have a lot of things that he could do, but like, I see him when it comes to offense, I see the, all these guys hesitate Oh, he's Remember the last biggest year hesitator. when they didn't hesitate? Remember we had that one year, that one season where they didn't hesitate? It was so great. He's and the biggest hesitator to... in, the, in the game. They're overthinking it. Well, I, man, Larry Nance for me has been a humongous frustration because I, I think he is a good player. He might be miscast or he might not be comfortable in with the team setting. But him being so passive has been incredibly frustrating to watch. Because they'll get like positive matchups and then just throw it all away and pass it to Yusuf when he's not even looking at the ball. Like, dunk mm -hmm. it, shoot it, do something. I would rather you miss than pass it badly. Well, and that's why I don't really like him with the starters. Uh, because I think that he's overthinking it. He's overthinking about what he should be doing and he's not just doing. And one of the things that I saw from him at the beginning of the season, and again, this is just pure conjecture. Two weeks ago. <laughs> I know. 
he looked well, and in preseason two, he looked like he was trying to do everything, and he was trying to like cover everywhere and do everything mm-hmm. and make up for everybody else's shortcomings. Like Robert, and, um, I don't know what's going on with poor Covington, but once there's there have been games where Larry just seemed like he was Larry, and he was taking care of Larry and doing Larry's stuff. But then again, like like tonight, there were all these times where you like where you said you like you had the dunk, like you don't need to pass it. And they've it's like they've put so much emphasis on thinking about the extra pass that they're all thinking about the extra pass to the detriment of taking the shot that's right there, except for Anthony has been spot on in that, in my opinion, spot on. And Nas, too. Both of them on offense are not overthinking their role, I don't think. Yeah, I I mean, I would love for uh, Nasir to drive more, but I think that he's, he's, Anthony Simons, I think, has been, like, he needs to give Chauncey Billups, like, a fruit basket or something for, like, there's going to be players that each coach, like, connects with. I, I think Chauncey and Ant, have been a really good pairing with each other because you know he had the you know he had that in him for the last four years. It was ha- having the mentality to actually do what needs to be done and drive it to the lane because he's got this otherworldly athleticism and he's using it to a good advantage. Like I'm, I'm so happy to see Anthony. Do you really think well. that he had it? Do you think he could have been playing at this high of a level in previous years if he'd been given more of a chance? I I mean, like, just looking at, hmm, I think that he, yeah, I think he had that in him, but I think the, the, the confidence was a, was an issue. Like, and it goes back to Stotts not playing young players. Like we just, we never even thought that we'd have the potential of seeing him because it was like, oh, he's a young player and we just know that's not going to happen. And so that he probably also internalized that like, oh, I'm a young player. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, that's such a bad. That, I mean, that's such a bad philosophy not to play players that have potential. Like, I mean, I mean, I, I would think it probably happens all the time on other teams too. But I don't know. I'm always jealous when I watch other teams with young players who get run. I'm always just like, like oh, Memphis. I wish we could see it. Yes, like Memphis. <laughs> Even like teams like Sacramento, you know, like to be able to put Davion Mitchell out there and just have him just get all up in everybody's shorts mm-hmm. and just like let them just go is just like really 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 fun and i did that just seems like something that well a the blazers haven't had a lottery pick for a while or a healthy lottery pick for a while um it just doesn't seem like something that that they would have done they would have like put them in the development protocol and three years later <laughs> they would have like let them out um but okay so going back to things that are different or not different um I was saying that, you know, Blazers dead last for a couple years in assists, dead last in passing. And now, like we heard at the beginning of the season, there's going to be more ball movement. More pace, too. Yeah, there there is. The the pace is faster this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Uh, I can look it it up. It is. And there's, you know, there are more passes per game. They are not dead last in the category. Portland's a top five pace team in the league. Yeah. Yeah, they were, I think they were number one for a little while. Um, But they're clearly trying to move the ball around. And to hear the coach talk about it, you know, he talked about the drive kick swing being so important and integral to the um, 
to the Clippers offense and that, you know, so I fully expected that we would see more of that. Um, but what, what else have you seen in, in the way that the uh, offense is different this season? I think CJ McCollum has shown a lot more versatility in his offense. There were times, I mean, last year it was all ISO like complex series of dribble moves to get space to shoot. And then this year I saw him just sprint to a, a spot on the floor, catch it, and then launch. Like he was showing more versatility. He was driving more. I think CJ has done a really good job of taking advantage of Dame's struggles and scoring in a wide variety of ways. I mean, obviously Dame not scoring well is a huge factor in everything, mm -hmm. but our guys are stepping up in a, uh, in his stead. It's just, we, we need our alpha guy to be the alpha guy. Um, I've noticed more ball movement, more player movement. Uh, I've noticed Dame being a lot more passive, which I'm not all in favor of because I believe the best player on the court should handle the ball the most. But uh, well, he's know. been, and he also, to his credit, like despite having shooting problems, has really still been able to command the offense. Oh, absolutely. Um, that I mean, there's just when when you watch the Olympics, it's just oh, he this is not being an off-ball player. It's just not, not his comfort, it's not, comfort it's not, zone. <laughs> no. When did the when did the NBA season start? October? The 18th, maybe the Blazers played on the 20th. Yeah, so the 18th. Of October or yes. September? October. All right. Yeah, it's only so, been like you said, it's only been two weeks. <laughs> so that is not the team. One second. I don't need to know Atlanta's sets but so right now we're doing a really good job of having dame and cj be equal partners in the offense because i'm looking at it they from the start of the season like 20 to, shots a game well 20 i mean a lot of shots a game but a usage rate of 29.7 for cj a usage rate for 28.6 so when they're in the the game half of the shots turnovers and assists are those two so they're doing a good job of sharing the sugar i just wish that i guess i mean maybe dame hitting some shots would be great because he's shooting 34 percent as of right now but i like what i'm seeing from cj mm -hmm. and I, I remember people not thinking you know cj was going to be part of the the team going forward right now he's the offensive hub of the team mm-hmm have you seen any new like um like uh plays or sets that uh you hadn't seen before either with you know the starting five or uh with the bench unit or any combination i think there's a lot more off-ball screens than there used to be um but i feel like the sets are a lot of drive and kick or drive and try and score but maybe with the the new way uh, refs are refereeing the game, they're not getting the free throws, even though I think they should be getting the free throws. I, I it's it's only been two weeks, so I don't you know there there are some definite wrinkles in the offense, but it's not anything mind blowing. I don't think. Well, and 
right at the beginning, at least in the first couple of games when everybody was, you know, on their, their best, oh, we're learning and doing something new behavior. Uh, and I, I think it has continued is more corner threes. You remember mm -hmm. how few corner for, corner threes they used to get? And also for a Blazers team, more dunks. Oh, that's always good for you. It's good for me, but I haven't seen it lately. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the last couple of games. Well, Larry Nance has been passing out of certain dunks. Yeah, I know. Like, and Larry has the, I tweeted this last night. Larry has the gentlest dunks I've ever seen. Like, I don't know how you dunk and make no noise, <laughs> but he's like a diver when you dive in and you make no splashes. Somehow he dunks like that. <laughs> but Cody is a natural dunker. And like last How do you season, like Cody? I really am enjoying Cody a lot more than I was expecting. Last season, neither Nurkic nor Cantor are natural dunkers. So like that is like, you know, <laughs> to have two centers whose natural instincts were not to dunk was like, it's uh, to me, it's like just a really a relief to see like Cody's first instinct is dunk. Mm -hmm. And like, you can see that. <laughs> Yeah. So I've been, you know, I've, I've been watching other teams and how do you feel about Chauncey Billups in that accountability thing that they've been preaching where it's like, I'm going to tell you when you're wrong and you're going to accept it. How, how do you feel about that? I don't know. It's hard to tell because like when everybody's cranky and everybody's calling it out each other out on being cranky, I feel like that's not necessarily the way you're going to get out of being cranky. <laughs> so, you know, but I have a very different philosophy about, you know, the ways to get the best out of people. Uh, what do you think? Well, I, I hope I sent you the right tweet. Yep. Okay. Let me see. <laughs> I will Let look me. at it. Well, oh. it's, it's, it's Willie Green talking to uh, Trey Murphy and I think I think you would really like the way that Willie Green talks to uh to Trey. Okay, I for some reason can't figure out how on this thing to uh get the chat to open. So keep talking. <laughs> I won't be looking. Oh, there it is. Okay. Oh, my goodness, you'd think that I don't spend like all day long on a computer. It's um, all good. I, it, it's all good. We did not talk about me sharing Willie Green talking to Trey Murphy. We absolutely did not discuss this. Okay, I'm watching the ad. Okay, the ad. Oh, no, I can't skip the ad. It has to play the whole ad. Absolutely, you can't. Okay, skipping the ad. All right. Uh, he's. I can't hear it, though. Oh, you can't hear That might there be. There we go. Problem. I got it. Okay. Okay, they're talking. Hey, we got to hold each other accountable. Yeah. See, that's encouraging. Yes, that's what it's encouraging accountability. Do. Well, did you hear the I'm not calling you out, I'm calling you up? Like th oh, that's, that's so gonna good. be a that's gonna be a raps, that's gonna be a hook in a rap song. <gasps> I'm not calling you out, I'll call you up. Like, come on. Like well, and that's Damian Lillard's whole philosophy on life is pouring into people. It, th that's the coaching that we need. Yes. Uh, Put, please put this in the show notes, the the, the tweet about okay. Willie Green, so people can understand. Like, and 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 Trey Murphy, the person, the player that he's been talking to, he he was struggling, and then after that, he hit the most confident three I've seen him take all year. Like, 
if we were the Miami Heat with all of those veterans, sure, you can preach accountability that way by calling everybody out. But I think Dame's ready to be coached. I think CJ's ready to be coached. I think Norm's ready to be coached. But we still have guys that are immature. Like, I don't think Yusuf's Yusuf needs to be taught. I think Nas needs to be taught. I think Ant needs to be taught. So this way of calling each other out, I think is a really bad philosophy when you have young guys and unproven guys on your team. But the way that Willie Green approached Trey Murphy is such a better way of talking to players and getting the most out of them than this is why you messed up. Yes, I'm talking to you directly. This is why you messed up. And like, that's not an address on it. Yeah, that's not a way that get the most out of people like I feel like Willie Green cares about these guys they're not a means to an end the way that Chauncey Billups is doing it these players are a means to an end not you know Damian Lillard CJ McCollum that these, these you know I feel that <laughs> to my bones <laughs> the, the you know the way you're pointing it out because I mean I I'm, I'm sure Willie Green was part it was an interview to E because we talked to 20 separate coaches about you know what they can do for this team i'm sure willie green and his preaching and philosophy was totally accepted by neil shay but we went with chauncey billups anyway uh, yeah i don't i don't think anybody in the front office cares that's my i've just I've gotten to the point where i just don't think they care at all and it was just like sure let's put him in sure mm-hmm. and then like everything that he's saying is like it's it's such a it's such a shame because I really enjoyed listening to him talk on the jump and I thought he was more animated he was more creative he like really made me think and he told stories and like I enjoyed listening to him and I really felt like I learned from him and now all I see is like grumpy the pants. same the, the same the, I'm I I'm so glad I got myself but the <laughs> same old ish. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the same old dish. It's not it's not new. It's not it's, it's everything's been under the sun for a thousand years and he's regurgitating that BS. Well, and it's it's like, OK, so I have this deep ingrained philosophy about like when I was like raising my kids mm-hmm. super against chore charts, reading charts anything where you had to like write down and document what you did mm-hmm. because I have this strong belief that you need to learn why it's important and then do it because it's important and you want to do it, not because you're going to get a sticker. Right. And then at the same time, like I have no problem with participation trophies because for me, participation trophies Mark, they mark and celebrate a moment or a season or an accomplishment, not a, you know, I read 15 pages. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what I want you to do is I want you to read because you love reading. I don't want you to read because your teacher said you have to like do this. And then at the end of the week, you could get a sticker. Mm-hmm. So for coaching, like, like guys like, you know, Willie Green, like you want to get, you want to buy into yeah, like doing Green it because send, it's fun and you love it and it's yeah. great for your team and you make your teammates better. Not because you like don't want to get caught doing something wrong or mm-hmm. doing something stupid. Well, I think this is, this goes to like who you want as a leader of, you know, like I don't want my leader to be selfish. I want them to be selfless because that's how 
the best things get done is when your leader wants you to, you know, accomplish this goal. So. And that's what we love about Damian Lillard. And that's what people outside of Portland who haven't been watching him his entire career don't get about mm-hmm. Damian Lillard. They don't get that he wants to go win a champion, that he doesn't want to go win a championship somewhere else because he wants to do it here with his guys and his people because that is more important to him than jumping on along and going for the ride. He wants to do something because it's the right thing to do and he loves doing it, not because he's going to get a sticker at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think I think you and I are both under the... Uh... Willie Green is better than Chauncey Billups as a, <laughs> as a people person. Yeah, and you know it's it's a shame, but I also, again, I'm talking a lot of doom and gloom. I really do think that they're going to get it together, partly because damn so good. A, that's well, that's the type of person Damien is too. We heard, you know, we we saw what truly being accountable looks like when mm. we saw his interview after the Philadelphia game and he talked about um you know uh, you know his struggles and how everything's going to mean more like that's like real accountability rather than like this show of like you know who did what wrong and we're going to mm. like talk about it in tape sessions right I just so, think that's such a bad move for having kids that can't even drink yet because they're so young Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, how, how is if Greg Brown plays? How is pointing out his flaws going to make him better? You know, Willie Green says he's pointing out all the things that they do well, so they continue to do it. Not here's where you messed up on, you know, quarter three, minute thirty-two. Like, come on. What I really don't want to happen is guys like Greg Brown and Nas at this point to lose that. Spark. the joy the joy of in yes, playing a because fun they game? have so much of it right now and they're such a pleasure to watch right now and like if the rest of the old heads are going to be struggling give me a greg brown dunk that's all i want <laughs> just give me a greg brown dunk and like uh yeah yeah i would just like realize that's a perfect segue into the next into the next topic Ooh, but before professional we do that podcaster. <laughs> well, it would I would be more professional if I didn't stop and go, hey, that would be a really great segue. But I just want to know if there's anything else. Well, you else want about... your credit, and I'm I'm good job. Well, okay, so I'll just go ahead and, and transition. So, um, Cassidy and I have um, come up with some very important new awards that we're gonna award to the Blazers at the end of the season. And one of our categories is the Bench Celebrator Man of the Year Award. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have noticed that Greg Brown has come out to an early lead and I wasn't necessarily thinking that he was going to be my favorite, but it's, again, it's that energy and that joy. So, um, I'm kind of a Nasir man when it comes to celebration, because I feel like he really puts his heart and soul into it. Okay. Has he had any like specific ones that you can think of? There hasn't been a ton to celebrate (laughs) this year. You know, it's hard to celebrate when you lose to a team without uh, a true small forward. Well, and also, like, Zach Collins was really good on the Oh, he was elite. He he and Patty Mills were elite at uh, celebrating teammates' accomplishments. Yeah. So, like, we don't really – I haven't seen anybody yet, like, really lead the way in terms of, like, planned – or like well executed in the moment, like memeable mm-hmm. uh, reactions. It's just like 
Greg is just so bouncy and he just always like seems like he's into everything. I feel like Trenton's always involved. Mm-hmm. He might not do the splashy like, you know, celebratory things, but I feel like he's always dapping everybody up and I think that's important to keep them uh the spirits high. When mm-hmm. you when you're losing however many straight, keeping the spirits high with a good dap is always is always appreciated. And you know, um Ben McLemore has been, we haven't even brought him up, but he seems like a pretty positive dude. Well, he's played 10 minutes this season, so. More than Tony Snell, and we spent a good five minutes on Tony Snell. Well, that's because I'm a biased jerk, and. <laughs> but I don't know, ben, but ben McLemore seems engaged on the bench, and I always feel like that's got to be hard for, like, those minimum vets who, like, have had, like, a long career to, like, now truly be on the bench and, like, not even sure if you're going to get in to be able to maintain that positivity and supportive of your team is uh, mm. is is pretty recognizable. Okay, I'm going to run through the rest of them, um, but this time I'm not going to give you my favorites. Most, okay, MIF is the most improved fits. So this is somebody who shows growth in his style. I'm not the most stylish dude, so this is going to be difficult for me. Um... There's no right answers. <laughs> it's all subjective. I don't even watch it. Well, because I, you know, the, I don't really have access to uh, watching Root Sports the legal way, so I don't really even know. Well, you have to see their you have to see their outfits on the Trailblazers feed, um, and you so know, sometimes it's the Trailblazers feed, sometimes it's not. No, I mean on the on their Twitter feed. Oh, 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 oh. or Instagram. Yeah. Um, well, so I think we had Anthony as the like the um, the likely candidate because again, it's like, but he's like, young and fresh. Yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking in terms of growth, Cody Zeller has a lot of room for growth. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and because, uh, you know, it's not about who has the best fashion. It's about who grows the most over the year. Oh, but yeah, like, well, Cody Zeller has a lot to go. Isn't he like a jeans t-shirt and like a... Um, a button-up type of guy he's definitely a jeans and t-shirt and he doesn't even like wear the ripped jeans he wears like non-ripped jeans so like maybe if he starts having ripped jeans that'll be like uh you know getting who's a the real color. fashionista on our team well um dame cj they always look impeccable you know who is like i think looks spectacular but in a very unstated um uh, way and it goes back like it's another surprise ben lacklemore he really looks good and his clothes are tailored impeccably um like so they're not necessarily like you know he wears a lot of like the the one color sweatsuits but they fit like perfectly or like you know jeans and a t-shirt but like a really good combination where you're like that like on first glance just looks like a regular old graphic tee and some like acid wash jeans but when you look at them together you're like oh yeah that that went to another level i feel i mean like ben mclemore he's tall but he's like normal dude size like it has to be hard for yusuf to to get fashionable stuff being 700 uh, no not 700 but seven <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, that yeah. was a slip. But seven feet, two eighty yeah. or whatever. Like that has to be a difficult yeah. prospect trying to purchase fly stuff. Well, he does try though, and I haven't yet to see Cody Zeller in a suit. <laughs> Well, it's bad. But, that, that's a lot of fabric. But you know what, Sage? Cody Zeller is actually, he really likes to dress up in costumes. So I don't know if you saw, like, he over Halloween has always, he always went to the children's hospital in Charlotte. He's a and good dressed dude. up in costume. And so he has a lot of really great costumes. And during Christmas, he always dons a Christmas sweater. So I definitely want to give Cody Zeller credit for, like, being willing to do all of that. And I still think... That, you know, he might just be like, you know what? I'm going to go with jeans and like a graphic tee instead of like, <laughs> you know, a washed out rose colored tee. You know, you never know. He may just decide that he wants to step it up now that he's in Portland and, you know, maybe he'll find a store that he likes that, you know, wants to set him up with some stuff. You know, like my, my style is hip hop t-shirt, jeans and okay sneakers. So the... My my style is pretty basic, so I you know like shout out to all of the well dressed people in Portland. Like Dustin kills it when he when he dresses up. Me, it's like look at this cool G rap shirt. It's sure cool. <laughs> and I still have not figured out how how to wear my Air Force ones because I'm terrified to wear them outside because they're going to get dirty. So <laughs> I bought I've them been early. An Air Force ones guy for a long time. I'm just like. Eh. So you can see them right there. They're just sitting there waiting <laughs> to be worn, afraid for oh, me to put them I, I on. Do, I do have good sneakers. That's the one thing I do have. I have a, a purple suede uh, uh, shoe. Let me see if I can. Suede? Are you, aren't you afraid to wear them? Yeah, I'm never going to wear them one second. I will show them <laughs> up. This is a much different show than the Holy Backboard. <laughs> I know. We just we just like to have fun and not take it. Ooh, right. What are those Pumas? They're, they're Pumas. Um, one of my favorite rappers, Slick Rick, did a co collab with Puma, and he's. Uh, you have he to describe them because we are in audio format. I will post them on Twitter. They're purple suede shoes. Yeah, and they're, they're high beautiful. tops. They're high and They have a little purple. Velcro clasp on the top uh, over the laces. Yeah, and follow me on to say D A S A G E. I'm a half my pictures a happy panda wearing a blazers hat i'll post these on and you'll uh, see IG. these beautiful purple yeah. oh and they're a great color of purple okay really right. quick two more awards that we have to give out or All we right. have to talk about um i i think you'll have an opinion on this one assistant coach of the year i don't have to say blazers right because i don't well, know any. <laughs> it, it's supposed to be blazers because Cassidy and I wanted a, like a reason to like get to know the Blazers because you know it's they are they're all new. Mm. If you have another one oh, in yeah. the league that you like, which I'm sure you do, go ahead and recommend them. But like, do you also like any, or have you noticed anything about any of the Blazers assistant coaches? I feel like Roy Rod or Roy is it Roy Rogers? Yeah, he's good defensively, I guess. But is he? I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm sure he is. I'm sure that he's, Any day smart. now. he's smarter than you and I at defense, for sure. Definitely. Who are we to talk? Charles Lee from the Milwaukee Bucks. I mm. said it the last time I was on this podcast. I wanted him to be our coach. Mm -hmm. He's the type of guy that connects with players like Willie Green. And there's been rumors that he's learned the CBA and teams are thinking about him as either 
the head coach of a basketball GM. team or the GM. So Charles Lee, he should have been the Blazers head coach last year and we failed. <laughs> I'm not sure any of the Blazers' current assistant coaches are quite up to that sort of um, ringing praise. I mean, if if they ever are, I will come on this podcast and stream okay, from the well, heavens. Well, you start watching him, okay? And uh, we'll check back in later, and you can. Well, tell the, the me thing with the Blazers is they're so tight-lipped over everything, so it's like it might be Roy Rogers doing this, but it could be one of the other head coaches. Like I know Charles Lee's really good at connecting with players, and we'll have a good scheme that's original and fits for the players that they have. I think John C. Billups is cheating off of what the Clippers did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last one. This might be a tough one because I'm not sure how much you've followed this important content on Instagram. Most important pet. I feel like Norman's doggies are the most important because. Because he's playing the best. I I love Norman (laughs) Powell. So I want his dogs to be happy. I've started to I've been I've tried we've been trying to decide if we need to pair up or decouple a pet from the player's performance because Nurkic's cats are so cute but it's I feel hard like to you've see got how the they're wrong helping half him. of the holy backboard to talk about this this subject I feel like Dustin would give you a much better answer than me I think dogs are cool, so I'm going with Norman Powell. Okay, well, next time, next time you come on, you you discuss it with. I want to hear you and Dustin discuss it on your podcast, so you can find out what 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 he would say. And if he hasn't discovered Yusuf Nurkic's cats, please point him in that direction because I'm they sure are he has super he, cute. He's more of that social media guy. Like he, I'm sure he is. All right. Well, that just about does it for us that's all the stuff that i had to talk about and of course we went longer than i said because we always do and you always call me out on it but it's so fun to talk to you oh i love you too it is fun to talk and i hope that we can do our uh pre-game content uh soon because it's getting to the point where the sample size actually means something and we can talk about these games as actual games and not just as i think ad is gonna do well against us because we have no bigs so I'm really hoping in the next few weeks that we can do the uh, Rip City preview um, again. Cause I All do right, I got to get myself psyched up because it is, re- I really like doing those because A, it gave me a chance to talk to you regularly, mm-hmm. um, but also, you know, gives me a chance to learn more about the other teams. And I'm especially interested in other teams this season. <laughs> so- I, well, I'm, I'm going to bring something up. So I'm sorry about your false wrap up. <laughs> have there been what teams have you been watching um the memphis and how do you uh, like my boys oh they're great okay i mean you know they're they're like uh jaw and jaren are like you know jaws had some amazing games and then he's had you know some other games but they're so young who cares like that's the thing that's so fun about them is they're so they're so young. If they lose a game, who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, if they make a mistake, who cares? They're gonna learn from it. They're not like the window is closing. Oh, it's the last. You know. Ugh. Well, I was I was asking about Desmond Bain because that's somebody that I screamed from the rooftops that uh, Blazers should have drafted. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people Blazers should have drafted, uh, but I also really 
I like the Kings. I love Davion Mitchell so much. And I loved Aaron Fox and I love Tyrese Halliburton and I love Harrison Barnes. Like there's a lot of guys on that team. I really, really like. I like Rashawn Holmes too. Yes. Let's just, let, let's just say, let's just say the starting five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really like them. Um, you know, and then I just, who else have I really, those are the, those are the ones that I, I really seek out and go, Ooh, you know, and I watched a Laker game, at least one Lakers game, which is Gross. just, just like out of like pure fascination. Um, I watched, don't give them your pity watch. Watch a fun thing. <laughs> I know. I think it's fascinating. What do you think about like suddenly LA discovering Carl Mello Anthony exists? Like they've made some terrific discovery. <laughs> like, I've been annoyed by Carmelo for many, many a year. For years. No. Well, yeah. Well, they're all acting like you know he was sitting on his couch. That, until, is that Columbus? Like, uh, that that Columbusism. Like, oh, look what we found. But it's been here for many years, and other cultures and teams. Other clans have already used it, and it's part of their, you know, daily routine yeah. to watch. But it's special now. I mean, hey, <laughs> I know you're a fan of participation trophies, but I'm not a fan of that participation trophy. <laughs> it, marks a, it marks a milestone. There was a time where the Blazers had Carmelo Anthony on the team, and there were some things about it that I found truly fun that would not have ever happened if it wasn't for Carmelo Anthony. And I don't think he's the sole reason that the Blazers have not yet won a championship. I think there's other contributing factors. Can I suggest a player that you should watch? Mm -hmm. Herbert Jones out of New Orleans. I think I've already talked about You're him. just trying to turn me into a New Orleans fan. Uh, no. With your Willie Green and your Herbert okay. Jones. <laughs> well, he's a four-year guy. Mm -hmm. Last year, he got all SEC and was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Last year, he broke his hand and played the entire season with a cast around his wrist and still played really good ball, enough to be a second-round draft pick for a team and become a probably top 10 point-of-attack defender at 6'9". I think that you would really appreciate Herbert Jones's game. Okay, I will watch. I will watch some Pelicans and look for look out for those things. Um, I just I can't believe how many times Cody Zeller has already had to have medical attention <laughs> on his face <laughs> when you talk about it's, injuries. It, it it seems like they're just it. There's like a magnet in our center's noses where it, they must get hit. Yeah. Well, Mason Plumley seemed like he had it out for the Blazers the other night. Yeah, like, remember like, me game. Hey, remember like, when Mason, I made money? That remember was when... years ago. Take it out on Yusuf and move on. Like, what are you? <laughs> hey, remember when you put me in a really good situation in Denver where yeah. I could compete for a chip? You know what? I'm taking all my frustrations out on you now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that was all about, but uh, yeah. Okay. We covered a lot. We obviously have, we couldn't talk more, but I'm going to get you out of here. Uh, tell people once again, where they can find you and um, how they can listen to you on your podcast. So we are the, uh, I'm part of the most uh most consistent podcast the holy backboard we are longest just... running blazer podcast yes yeah oh easily i think we just did our 256th i mean there's like 260 podcasts for you to enjoy um holy backboard 
Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Holy Backward PDX. My Twitter is Desage with a happy panda. So I'm very easy to find. Um, thank you so much for having me. And hopefully we can talk about other teams soon. Awesome. Thanks for being here. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can find We Have a Take at We Have a Take. And next uh, next week, Cassidy should be back. If she's not, she will be back soon. And uh, for Sage, this is Tara. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time.